Welcome back everybody, I'm your host Simon Severino and today we explore with the author of Wealth on Any Income, why business growth is a team sport, the 5,000 year old secret to treat yourself better and why you should ask more questions. Welcome everybody, Renny Gabriel. Yeah. Oh, thank you Simon, great to be here. Randy, what are you currently creating? Uh, what I'm currently creating is a uh, self-guided uh, program based on my nine steps to complete financial choice uh, with videos, with documents, with a workbook. And uh, I'm, I'm pulling myself out of the one-on-one -on -one or even the group coaching. I'm having team members do that. Oh, that's the fun part, right? When you go from growing to scaling a business. Can you tell us about that? How does it feel? Where, where do you start? <laughs> oh, well, you start by being in the trenches and finding out what works and what doesn't work. And then uh, the fun part is backing off, having team members uh, create stuff that's even better than what uh, you created on your own and then letting them run with it. And you donate 100% of profits. Can you tell us about your mission and how you do it? Oh, uh, yeah. I'm so glad you asked that. Um, what I'm teaching people to do is handle money powerfully so that they can feel better about what they're doing, recognize the benefits of their business, and be able to donate to the causes that touch their heart. And, you know, I lead by example. I donate 100% of the profits from my work teaching other people about money to the charity Shelter to Soldier, where dogs are rescued from high-kill environments. Uh, they could be euthanized, and they end up being trained as service animals for soldiers who've come back with uh, post-traumatic stress disorder or traumatic brain injuries. Beautiful. And... Um... How, how are you currently navigating this funky year? <laughs> um, I, it, it's not been a problem for me from the standpoint that 100% um, of my tenants have paid 100% of their rent through the pandemic with the exception of one person who had a five month break. And so financially, you know, we were not impacted whatsoever. Um, I teach how to manage and buy apartment buildings at UCLA and I walk my talk. I talk about how to treat tenants and they support me. So you have a crisis resistant business model so far and it can, and you're looking forward to all the Delta variations, etc. also with a very relaxed attitude. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't see it impacting uh, our business whatsoever in terms of the investments that we have. Um, I, I will have to admit I'm rather insecure and we have about uh, well over two years worth of cash available. Uh, if no one pays any rents, if no investments pay us anything, we've got two years worth of expenses sitting in cash in various bank accounts. 
All right. And cash, even if, if the current depreciation is so strong, I had a 30% cash position for that and went down to 0.9% because currently it's just depreciating. Oh, well, it's not depreciating. It's, well, a little bit if you look at inflation versus what we earn on it, but it's, it's not significant based on the volume of money we've set aside. Mm, cool. And so let's go to the your tips that you brought us. One is yeah. why business growth is a team sports. Can you unpack that? Um, yeah. When I looked, I was an angel investor for a while and I'm studying other successful businesses. And the thing that I noticed and that was continually spoken about was that there was no successful business that was started and run by one person. Uh, and if you look at Apple computer, uh, if you look at Elon Musk and SpaceX, if you look at when he did uh, PayPal, if you look at, um, Berkshire Hathaway, I mean, the list is very long of big successful companies. And there were two people involved at least. And one of them had a vision and the other one executed on that vision. If I use Apple computer as an example, you had Steve Jobs, who was a visionary, and Steve Wozniak, who executed on that vision. With Berkshire Hathaway, you've got Warren Buffett, who's a visionary. And most people have not heard of Charlie Munger, but he's half of Berkshire Hathaway. He executes on Warren's vision. And you can see that over and over again in the most successful businesses. So in my situation, um, I had neither money uh, nor good credit uh, when we started real estate investing. And it was my wife and a third person. Uh, and we built the business together. I managed the properties based on the education I had, but I didn't come in with, I came in with 25% of the money uh, and no credit. Their credit was used to buy the properties. And we created a multi-million dollar uh, real estate portfolio. So it takes a team. And uh, how how would you how would you if you look back, what was what was important to get right? Um, the right people who knew what they were doing. Uh, getting back to the real estate portfolio. Uh, the realtor happened to be the visionary. Uh, I was the execution master. I, I did the management. I handled the tenants and things of that nature. And the thing that we had to get right was working with people who knew what they were doing. And the realtor knew what he was doing. He had the experience. He had the knowledge. He had the vision. Uh, without that, we'd have just been a couple of people bumbling along. So a visionary, but also an executing role. And, and how did you handle the risk and the financials at the beginning when cash flow was, was minimal? Um, all we cared about was that we were able to at least break even with the properties. Um, and, you know, I, I ran the financials to see would that happen? And it did. Um, if we made, you know, a half a percent 
that was okay because we knew we were buying in Los Angeles. Over time, properties appreciate. The rents can be increased, even if it's a rent-controlled property. And so we were just looking to break even when we got in. I mean, there were times in the early years we'd have a plumbing bill. It wiped out our profit for the month. Uh, but by the third, fourth year, uh, we were doing pretty well. Because that's what many listeners might think now. Oh, yeah, he's right. I should, I should co-found this. I should bring people in. But how do I do it right now that I don't have anything to offer except an idea and energy? So how, 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 is the, how do I build a team at this stage? Well, you know, if the person's got enough um, enthusiasm, that, in, that, will can, that will bring other people along and they don't have to have the money. All they do need to have is the vision. Uh, I don't believe Steve, I mean, um, yeah, Steve Jobs had much money when he and Steve Wozniak got started with Apple Computer. I mean, they were scraping together stuff in a garage when they started. Hewlett Packard started in a garage. It doesn't necessarily take a lot of money, but the person with the vision and the personality can bring in the additional people. Uh, I saw that happen with the uh, startup that I funded as an angel investor. Uh, the founder had the personality to bring people along and, and charm them with what he could do, you know, and I was one of the investors charmed by his vision. That, that's a beautiful thing at the beginning, right? You have to charm as a founder. You, you, you cannot overpromise, but you, you have to, to charm about the vision, right? Because it's not there yet. And to get people in and then hope that they build it with you. Uh, exactly. It's, it's an amazing journey. It's, it's really, it's beautiful. And you have also something that is eternal, which is a 5,000 year old secret that you want to share with us. Um, yeah. I mean, one of the things I've seen with so many business owners is they, they grow, they make money and they don't end up with anything to show for it personally. And if we're talking about the reason people uh, become business owners, entrepreneurs, or whatever is they talk about, well, the freedom, escaping a nine to five job and things of that nature. Well, one of the byproducts should be creating some financial independence, creating what I call complete financial choice at some point where you can choose to work or choose not to work or have or oversee what you're doing. And this 5,000 year old secret uh, well, you know what? Let me put you on the spot, Simon. Uh, have you heard of the expression, pay yourself first? Yes. Okay. Can you explain it? I have heard it in the context that as, as a founder, my monthly salary should be fixed and, and not in terms of a piggy bank that I take it from profits when in percentage, but it's a fixed salary, it's part of the costs. That is what I heard. And when I heard this from my business coach, I started having a fixed salary from the very beginning in the second year of my business instead of piggy banking. Okay, so that is almost the correct answer. So your coach had almost the correct answer. And, and the reason I'm putting you on the spot is because nine out of 10 people can't answer that, even though they've heard the expression, pay yourself first. 
and the way that it works and actually uh some of the books that explain it one of them's a hundred years old called the richest man in babylon uh there's a book called the wealthy barber which is probably about 30 40 years old um the most recent book that has this concept is by mike michalowicz called profit first where you take yes you have a salary and you build in taking profit first and the concept of pay yourself first says i'm going to take 10 percent of my money whether it's from your salary from the price doesn't make any difference and i'm going to set it aside to keep for the rest of my life it's not going to be spent on a nice car it's not going to be spent on mortgage payments or, or groceries but that money is going to make money by going into other investments that create a passive income and that is why i don't have to work for a living and i can donate 100 percent of my profits to charity because i paid myself first from every dollar that came in oh the investment portfolio of course yeah i, I do bitcoin right now dollar cost averaging yeah. percentages yeah. of every profit of every month okay fine so so even though you were doing it you wouldn't you weren't able to explain it and that's what i think is so fascinating because so many business owners have heard of it they're not acting on it or they're not they're doing something similar and it's not even conscious it's true and it's really important to talk about these things because yeah we we need to educate each other and stay educated on this. This is so important and it's a long-term game. 5,000 year old is this secret. Uh, how did you find it? Where did you come, come, come to contact with it? One of the first books I told you about, The Richest Man in Babylon, uh, explains this secret based on clay tablets that were excavated from the city of Babylon that were 5,000 years old. So this book that was written 100 years ago is based on clay tablets that were found in the excavation that trace someone's life and how he got into debt, how he fled the city, how he discovered what worked, and he came back and made things right. It, it's like, like he was working a 12-step program 5,000 years ago. Wow. And, and we still have people around us who spend more money than they make because sometimes they don't even yeah. know what the profit part is of the revenue per month. They may, they may see it every 12 months. So it's really important to know what your profit is first per month and then to allocate the percentage that you really put aside to create something long-term uh, appreciating like you teach. You're absolutely correct. And... That, that's one of the things that we spend a lot of time on is showing people how to know their numbers. Because the most embarrassing thing for me was I was certified as a financial planner and lacked the foundations of handling money effectively because it wasn't taught in my coursework. Mm -hmm. I've spoken to certified public accountants. It's not taught in their coursework. The foundations of handling money are not taught in school parents can't teach what they don't know and nine out of ten people don't get any education in it anywhere you know i i have spent my life mainly in the consulting industry 
And the first 10 years were the golden years of consulting where we were the cool industry like 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 investment bankers. And so we would get bonuses and I would see my colleagues um, spending on expensive cars. And as as much as I like to drive expensive cars, I, I have never, never invested in depreciating assets if I can if I can avoid it. Right. So I was always not having the best coffee machine, not having the, the fanciest car. I would prefer having uh, buying a couple Apple stocks per month uh, during that time uh, instead of, you know, having having depreciating assets. But that came from my parents because they taught me how to do it. And I think these discussions are really important to have with our surroundings, with our families, right? What are appreciating assets and what are depreciating assets? And what is the cumulative function? If, even if it's just $100 per month that you save, what does it mean over 20 years, right? Uh, you're absolutely right. And you uh, are an exception from the standpoint that your parents went over this with you. That represents the one out of 10 that gets this kind of education or this kind of information. Nine out of 10 people don't get it anywhere. And yeah, I, you and I are operating in the, in the same area. I mean, I could buy one of any of the most expensive cars that are available from the cash that we have sitting, but that's not where it's going to go. It's definitely not an appreciating it. And in, in times of mobility on demand, why, we sh why should we even own things that depreciate so fast? But, yeah. Okay. And then we should ask more questions than yeah. that we give statements. Can you tell us more? Yeah. And, you know, it, it's terrific because when I was asking you about um, if you know what it, could you explain pay yourself first, you know, you, you did your best. And what I see is when people hear familiar information like eh, pay yourself first, uh, if they make a statement, that's the ordinary mindset. Ordinary people will make statements when they hear familiar information like, uh, oh, uh, pay yourself first. Oh, I've heard that before. Oh, I know that. Um, that's not new to me. That doesn't produce any results. What produces results is the way a wealthy person uh, hears familiar information. And that's by asking questions like, hmm, uh, how would that apply in my situation? Or where would I put the money? Or when will I begin that? Uh, or what impact would that have in my situation? They don't ask a, a, a why question. They may ask a who question like, hmm, who could support me with that? Well, those answers produce the results that transform their situation. Making statements takes no one anywhere. Asking questions produces the results that move people forward. Beautiful. And just today in, in a mastermind, I mean, with very, very senior entrepreneurs in California, actually around you, uh, one of us, one of us posted, Hey guys, I just talked to my children and this is what I told them. And it was a summary of the Dale Carnegie book, how to um, win a friend, how to make friends, win and, friends and influence people. Yeah. Uh -huh. Which is such a classic. And sometimes it might lead to, oh, yeah, I know the book. Let, let, oh, yeah, I don't need to read this. 
But I saw this summary and I was like, oh my God, this is the most relevant conversation I could have with my boys. It was just about asking questions and being a good person, basically. Yeah, yeah. My, my wife is so wonderful about that. She's far better at it than I am. We'll go into a restaurant and she'll have a conversation with the server like, um, are you doing any kind of work besides working here? And we find out, you know, they're an actor or a singer or a script writer or, or you know, whatever, or an Uber driver. <laughs> but I mean, she starts engaging people with the questions about, mm, you know, what do you do when you're not here? And, oh, how did you get into that? And uh, she, that's just my wife. I mean, it's natural for her. For me, I have to be aware of it and think about it. Same, same here. My wife is a natural born talent for this thing and everybody loves my wife for that and i have to really remind myself simon come what what is a good question and in terms of questions i am so curious who you nominate for the strategy award after one word from our sponsors hey if you love what you are hearing you will love our free master classes go grab them at strategysprints.com so when everybody zigs, this person is zagging. But from your perspective, they are doing the right thing. Who do you nominate? Um, it would probably be Elon Musk. You know, I, I, I look at what he's doing from the standpoint, which, by the way, fits what I was talking about earlier, being a vision master and having execution masters. He doesn't run SpaceX. He doesn't run Tesla. He's got people who are executing on his vision in those companies. And, you know, he's someone who I see when one people are going in one direction, he's thinking in a completely different direction. And, you know, and there's one other person that no one's probably heard of. His name is Mark Silver. He teaches how to grow businesses on a pay what you can afford model you know, instead of expensive fees that other business coaches charge. And so, you know, most people are saying, here's my fee and it's big. And he's on a pay as you pay what you can afford model for business owners. Wow. And uh, so we have talked a ton about books. I am curious about mainly two of your books, Wealth on Any Income, your best selling one, and also your newest one. Can you tell us about each of them? Yeah, Wealth on Any Income is really simple. It's divided into two major parts. And the first third of the book is the attitudes that get in the way of us creating financial independence or complete financial choice. You know, it could be messages we got from our parents or siblings, school teachers about what we can or can't do that we unfortunately believe when they're not true. And so we have to get those attitudes out of the way, kind of provide an adjustment. And then the latter two thirds of the book is the tips and the techniques and the tools to handle money effectively, how to do a spending plan, how to find out how much money you have and what's growing and what's not growing and things of that nature. So that's the Wealth on Any Income book. It's been translated into eight languages, you know, wow. I think it's great. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, Eight languages. Wow. 
Yeah. The other book is called Attitudes of the Wealthy. I just finished that last year and it it covers the kinds of things that we were just talking about, the questions wealthy people ask, what their attitudes are. It's okay to talk about money. Do you pay debt first or do you start investing in yourself first? These kinds of attitudes. There's 30 of the attitudes. There's over 30. You could practice one a day you know, and start again the next month. It's a short book, but uh, it has really important nuggets in how wealthy people think versus the way ordinary people think. I love it. And again, this is so important right now uh, to find evergreen principles and uh, proven principles that you bring in, in all this uncertainty that is around. These principles still apply and are an evergreen uh, foundation for people to think and to take the, the right decisions that serve them. Um, I'm curious now that you're uh, going out with the book and I'm also going out with the book in next February with my first book. What do you, how do you see the modern way of, of promoting books? What is changing in book promotions? What do you find exciting? Uh, uh, well, there's two things. I'll answer both questions. What I find exciting and, and you know, what do you do? What works uh, is what has worked, you know, since the printed word and that the promotion is speaking to other people. Uh, you don't have the bookstores anymore to have book signings. Uh, you've got Amazon. So how do you promote on Amazon? You do it online. Uh, you get on podcasts, you get on radio interviews, you get on TV interviews, uh, you, you send out emails to, to your list. You have other people send out emails to their list. It, it's all about promotion. I mean, the, the publishing companies aren't going to do it for the small authors like you or me. They're going to do it for the Michael Crichtons or the Pattersons and, you know, those folks. And what excites you about now having your book tour, virtual book tour? Um, it's getting the information out that I've found valuable, that's made a difference in my life and being able to share it. That, that's really the bottom line. It's, you know, when you don't have to work anymore, then what, what is your purpose? And my purpose is twofold. It's to continue to educate people and to donate 100% of the profits to charity. Uh, yeah, 100%. As long as people buy the book from my website, actually 100% of the proceeds from the books goes to the charity Shelter to Soldier. There's donate buttons all over my website for that charity. How was the internal change for you from having to work to not having to work anymore? What was the biggest internal change? Um... Actually, I don't know that there was a change because I don't know that I have the emotional capacity to not work. Uh, and that was one of the things that I thought I had. My kids knew I didn't have it. Uh, but when there was enough money that I didn't have to work anymore, I was still working. It was sort of like, well, I'm not going to go play golf. I don't like traveling. Um, I'm not going to collect stamps. Uh, I collected cars at one time and that was a mistake because they, they just took up too much room. Um, and so it's sort of like, I, what I enjoy doing is teaching and educating. And 
there's no reason to stop. I just did a class at UCLA uh, like two weeks ago, and we're doing it virtually because we're not going back in the classroom yet. Beautiful. And I guess this is what entrepreneurs are all about. They, they can't stop. They do it for the purpose and they are teachers and improvers of their surroundings. And that's, that's what we are. And uh, it's beautiful to, to hear that. Yeah. I think many people will go like, oh yeah, oh yeah. I can resonate with that. Is there a specific place where people can hang out with you, get more from you? Yes, they can. They can go to my website, which is Wealth on Any Income. Uh, they can listen to my podcast, which is called Wealth on Any Income. Uh, they could get the book, <laughs> Wealth. I, it, I, I'm kind of simple. I just kept all the names the same, the podcast, the website, the book. Um, and you know what? If they go to my website and put forward slash TEDx, they can actually see a talk where I speak about how we've been conditioned that it's better to be poor than to be wealthy. And the cure is a 27-page, nine-step roadmap to complete financial choice. So if they go to my website and they type forward slash TEDx, they can have both of those items. Randy, who should be my next guest? Um, I'm thinking Ralph White. Ralph and I have been business coaches, coaching each other for about 30 years. Uh, fabulous human being. He knows how to coach people. Uh, he knows how to listen. And I would say Ralph White. Thank you so much for sharing your journey, your wisdom, your book, and even your checklist and guides with us. Please come back soon. Avoid trying to do thousands of things that doesn't work. We have 274 templates for your business success. Reach your ambitious goals with one-on-one -on -one sprint coach. We double your revenue in 90 days.